This week on eSafety Podcast, we'll be looking at cyberbullying, what it is, how it works, and what you can do to stop it. Any private communication might not be bullying if it's just a once-off. If it's in a public forum, if it's on a Facebook, or if it's on a Twitter, or if it's on a public Snapchat, then it is defined as bullying straight away, even if it's only once. That's Craig Petrie, principal of East Glenlock School in County Wicklow. Craig was appointed in 2013 at the young age of 31, having previously served as year head and head of rugby in Wesley College. He's a history teacher with a master's in educational leadership and an interest in student online safety. This week, we asked Craig to give us a better understanding of what parents can expect from a school when cyberbullying occurs. eSafety has been working in schools for over 10 years and has an expert team of presenters that cover the whole country. If you want to learn more about what we do, check out our website, www.esafety.ie, or contact us at info at esafety.ie. A study carried out by Zenith Optimedia was conducted in 2016, which revealed that 20% of Irish students had experienced cyberbullying. This is something that we see happening more and more, as more young people are connected through mobile devices. With us here, we have Craig Petrie. Um, maybe you can give us a better understanding of how a school perceives or understands cyberbullying. Bullying is bullying, I suppose. And one of the things that we're very keen on in our school is, is to say that everybody has a responsibility around this. But bullying is where someone is making um, repeated, unpleasant or intimidatory approaches towards someone, whether that's physical, whether it's online, whether it's emotional. Specifically around cyberbullying, where it is online and it's in a public forum, that we would regard as cyberbullying. If it happens once, um, the Department of Education tells us that that may or may not be um, regarded as cyberbullying. But if it happens more than once, say through text or through something private, it certainly is bullying. And if it happens in a public space, if it happens in any kind of uh, online social space then it is bullying. Um, and if it's brought to us by a parent or by a student or by a friend of a student, uh, then it's it's up to us to deal with that or to try and find out as much as we can about it uh, and to try and uh, put all the pieces back together where that's possible. Sure. And if you were to distinguish between um, regular bullying and cyberbullying, are there any specific definitions that change um, with those those two aspects? Really, the the big change, uh, I suppose, is, is the, the history that's left that we can see um, we're bound in many ways by the Department of Education and, and what they say about cyberbullying. Um, they do make a distinction. Um, any private communication might not be bullying if it's just a once-off. Uh, if it's in a public forum, if it's on a, a Facebook or if it's on a Twitter or if it's on a, a public Snapchat, then it is defined as bullying straight away, even if it's only once. Uh, and so that definition is very important um, because, because it, it tends to leave a fingerprint or a footprint that we can follow. Um, wh- whereas other bullying uh, can tend to be he said, she said, and it may be very difficult for us to get to the bottom of. In some ways, it's very easy for us to uncover cyberbullying. Dealing with it is a different matter, uh, but it can be very obvious very quickly that this has gone on because there's often a record of it. Okay, and in some of the cases that you've seen, how often do you see a full resolution to dealing with um, everybody involved? That very much depends on... I suppose the ages of the people involved, but also who is involved. So how often we see a resolution? Not that often. 
is the answer. Uh, and one of the things that we would be very conscious of saying, particularly when we're dealing with, uh, with online issues to parents and to students at the beginning of a process, is that it may not be possible for us to put this back together. It may not be possible for us to get to the bottom of it, and it may not be possible for us to deal with it all in-house. We may have to talk to other schools, we may have to talk uh, to the guardian, and it may be up to the parents at the end of the day, or the students themselves, to take it further, because we can't always do this, because while, while at the start, things are very obvious that somebody is getting a hard time, because we can see records of that, and generally people are very good now at uh, keeping screenshots and printouts and providing them to us. Finding the origin of those can be very, very different and can be very, very difficult. Um, so it, very often we don't get a resolution to this. We do the best we can. Uh, but in some cases, we have to lower those expectations qu quite early um, because the school has finite resources and a finite amount of knowledge, even in terms of how, uh, how much we know about individual apps and programs we may not be able to uncover the entire truth of something, particularly if someone is using an anonymous um, online presence or an avatar that, that, that we, don't, we don't see the background of. Sure. Okay, so let's talk through the process, maybe the ideal process of um, a cyberbullying case that gets brought to the school's attention. So a child, in this example, will talk to a teacher and say, um, I think I'm being cyberbullied, I'm not sure, but... Um, maybe the teacher can have a look. What are the processes that are triggered, are ideal in this scenario that a school will step through these um, particular um, areas um, to bring the best resolution? Well, as soon as somebody reports bullying to a teacher in a school, um, there is a process that starts, whether that bullying is online or, or, or in the real world. And so it begins an investigation into exactly what has taken place now in terms of cyberbullying the, the teacher staff member will ask the student to make sure that they've blocked the person involved if they're getting a hard time they'll also make sure that they've kept records of it and that they can produce those records to the school so that investigation either by the teacher involved or, or, or maybe by a, a form teacher or tutor or a year head uh, more often uh, will then very much follow the traditional lines of inquiry. We will be asking the people involved for statements about what they've done. We'll be asking them if it's relevant for evidence of what they've done, uh, evidence of what they've said, what they've sent, what they've been sent. Um, very often there's a backstory to this that, 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 that makes things slightly more complicated, um, but explains an awful lot more of the behaviour. Um, and so we'll investigate that, we'll try and find out wh where it's come from, what the bottom of it is, and if bullying has taken place, then we'll try to resolve that as a school through our, our own channels. And, and schools have to have uh, an anti-bullying policy, and in that they have to have set out the kinds of resolutions uh, that they will try to put in place after an investigation has taken place. So in general, schools won't look to go down the punishment route, because that's generally not how we resolve bullying issues we generally try to resolve them with the people involved and we try to get everybody to move on. That could be through mediation. It could be through uh, a group reconciliation session. It could be through uh, involving parents, although that's not, not, not quite so regular. Um, and so we try to get everybody to move past what has happened and put a full stop to it where that is possible, where everybody is inside your school, that's possible. But that's not always the case, particularly now as students know each other from much further away and interact with students in other schools on a much more regular basis. Okay, and let's look at this from a parent perspective. Their child is being bullied. How are they involved or what should they be doing 
to either help the school or to help the child to get the best resolution? What, what's their role in this? The role of the parent starts way before any bullying incident may have taken place in, in terms of setting good ground rules in their home for how technology is used, uh, for where technology is used and, and at what time, what access they have to their students, to their children's uh, technology, so that they can help them to stay safe online. That's the first step. So before any of this takes place, that, that, that trust between uh, parent and child, a knowledge on behalf of the parent of what the children are doing, uh, who they're uh, associating with and socialising with online, and what kind of behaviours are, are expected, uh, and ground rules in their home for what kind of behaviours are expected within those spaces. That's where we start. Once parents have that, we can deal with them in a much more uh, even-handed way. We're not trying to play catch-up in terms of what, what, what students may or may not have said online. Often we find that parents are absolutely shocked by the kind of language that's used online, by the kind of um, tone that's used in online conversations. And again, that's much more controllable where, where parents have a good knowledge of what's going on within their homes and within their young people's online lives. When parents come to a school with, with a problem, they can expect to be listened to, they can expect that their concerns will be taken seriously, and that they can expect that their concerns should, will be acted on. With the online um, bullying and the processes that schools go through, I'm afraid we can't expect that everything will be resolved. We can hope for that, but we can't expect it. You can expect the school to do the very best they can, um, but you can't expect a resolution because that may just not be possible, particularly if there's a an anonymity in any of this if one side of uh, an argument or one party is is, is using um, an anonymous name or is using a, 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 some kind of fake name that can be very difficult to resolve and we won't get to the bottom of that but in general parents can expect to be listened to that their concerns will be taken seriously and that their child will be cared for in this um, they they may uh, very frequently they want some kind of punishment handed out to the other party and that's completely understandable it's completely rational that again depending on the school may or may not happen um, and once you get into a school disciplinary situation it's it's really the school's job to to, to deal with the the other party if you like uh, and to, to deal with them as, as the school's policies will see appropriate it's not always that, that a parent will get a pound of flesh at the end of the day they don't always get to know about that either um, for, for very good reason. Okay, maybe we can talk through a specific um, cyberbullying incident um, to put some context on this. Do you have any examples that you'd like to? Sure. I, I mean, not not necessarily from my own school. Sure. Uh, because that would be that would be reasonably private. Um, but instances where where um, a school will be contacted by a parent or even an outside agency. Um, or another school to say, look, this, this problem has blown up. There is a child in my school, another principal says, uh, who, who is dealing with a problem with a student in your school. And so the unusualness of that is, is that you, you may be dealing with something that could potentially be a disciplinary issue, but not with somebody within your school. And, and that's, that, that can be difficult for principals and for schools to deal with. Um, or, or, or you can be given a problem by a parent involving a child in another school and that, that the child near the school is the aggressor, and so, so you're trying to cooperate w with a principal in another school. So those kinds of issues happen reasonably frequently. Um, and again, the steps would be the same. Y you investigate. You find out what you can. You get the screenshots from the parents or from the, the child, uh, and you try to investigate as much as you can. And where it's possible, 
in general, we would try to put people in a room to try and talk through a situation. So, so, so again, you'd be talking about a situation where you would try and get families maybe um, and students in a room to talk through what has happened. Um, you generally try and use somebody who, who has a mediation background in that and, and certainly that's, that, that, that's what would have happened in the instance that I'm thinking of um, where we would have used a professional with that kind of experience to try and talk through not just your own role in a, in a situation or the students own role in a situation but also how that may have made other people feel, the reactions to that and how things have escalated um, to come to some kind of a conclusion through that mediation that that, that people can move on from, from that. In the, in the instance I'm thinking of, it, it did in the end involve the Gardaí because there were two schools involved and because there wasn't a huge amount of cooperation um, that the Gardaí were, were almost the sort of the peacemakers in this very good liaison officer who was very happy to go between two schools and try to put things back uh, together the way that they should have been. And that was a real asset to the schools who were involved. Um, but there's always a there's always a background to these things, and then uh, and these things tend to tend to come up again, particularly where there isn't someone keeping an eye on it. And so so that was one that was an issue where 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 something was reported to to a school, and then by that school to another school, and initially was resolved. But there was a sort of a faint background noise then for the next two or three years because 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 it wasn't really uh, possible for, for for the two schools to monitor what was going on between their different students. So. That, if you like, is the messy end of things where things don't necessarily get resolved despite the best intentions of two schools who have worked reasonably well through their procedures. They've involved an outside agency in terms of mediation. They've involved an outside agency in terms of the Gardaí. And everybody has done their best in this. And everybody has acted professionally. And everybody has acted in the best interests of the child and the care of the children who are involved. Still didn't quite get put back together properly. Cyberbullying is just incredibly messy and very, very hard to deal with. Okay, so maybe I'll give you an example, um, and you can talk us through the procedure in this case. So a parent uh, discovers that their child is being cyberbullied. It's not happening during school hours, but it involves some students from the school. What can the parent expect the school to do about that if the parent brings it to the school's attention? Are the school obligated to deal with it, or is there a little bit of a grey area amongst this? You could certainly look at it and say there's a grey area in this, because if it's not happening inside school time, then, 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 then it may be a little grey. However, the vast majority of schools are going to take any bullying between their students at any time of day or night as a serious issue, and they're going to try and deal with it. Because that really is a, a responsibility of the school, care of their student body. And if bullying is happening outside school in a car park or behind the sheds outside school hours it's still a school issue and just so with with cyber bullying so the school should be expected to, to listen to the parent that's a, that's a bullying complaint and under the legislation it does need to be investigated um, so the school investigates and that investigation will involve screenshots and it'll involve asking questions of the student uh, and possibly the students involved. Um, and parents probably need to be ready for more to come out than, than they know. Um, certainly, we tend to find that it's very rare that it's just one side, um, that, that, that a, lot, a lot of unpleasantness happens online. Uh, parents are often shocked by what, what their students will say online. But parents can expect if they can bring the evidence, which, which, which is screenshots, and very often we get these cases with reams and reams, pages and pages and pages of unpleasant messages being sent back and forth. Thank you very much, Craig Petrie, for joining us.
it's important that we understand the processes, um, what it is, how it works, but also what you can do to stop it. At eSafety, we use three very simple rules when we're dealing with cyberbullying. If someone sends you something mean or hurtful, um, or something that makes you feel uncomfortable, it's important that you follow these very, very simple and basic rules. First one of which is to not respond and not reply. If you can imagine that somebody sends you something mean or hurtful, and you send something mean or hurtful back, that it is going to escalate and go on and on. So it's important that you take the wind out of their sails straight away and not respond and not reply. The second thing that you can do is to save a copy or take a screenshot. Because it's technology, because there's evidence there, it's important that we save a copy that if this persists, this is something that we can bring to a teacher or to a parent or to whoever. Um, it's important that you sit down and chat with your children about this because if you can imagine somebody posts something mean or hurtful, your first reaction is to take it down rather than to save a copy of it. So it's really important that you actually do save a copy of whatever it is that has made you feel uncomfortable before you delete it uh, off the internet. The third one is the most important, of course. It is to tell somebody, whether that's an older brother or sister, whether that's your parents, um, whether it's teachers or whoever it is. But it's important as parents that we understand that your children need to know that you are open to having that conversation. We often work in schools where students are scared to tell their parents that something has happened, that they've received something mean or hurtful because they're scared that their parents are going to take away the technology, take away their phone, take away their iPad or whatever. So we really stress when we're working with parents that they open a conversation, they engage with their children on this issue and that can be as simple and straightforward as sitting down with your child and asking them to show you what they do online, whether it's Facebook, Snapchat, whatever it is. Um, but you engage with them on that level. Um, we have a good resource that we use called an online code of conduct contract. And this allows parents and children to sit down, write out a small contract um, that outlines the things that they should and shouldn't do. And then the child signs it and the parent signs it and they stick it on the fridge. Um, therefore, if something bad happens or something goes wrong, the child has something to go back to. And also the parents have something to go back to saying, well, this is what we agreed. This has been um, a cyberbullying podcast. We hope you enjoyed it um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our eSafety podcast. If you have any questions or would like us to address a new topic, please email your questions or queries to info at eSafety.ie. eSafety keeping kids safe online.